Welcome to the Market Week in Review for the week ending September 10th, 2021. I'm Julie Zhang, and I'm joined today by our Director and Senior Portfolio Manager, Megan Roach. Hey, Megan. Hi, Julie. Great to see you. You too. On today's call, we're going to cover three topics, jobs and wages, central bank actions, and the general outlook on the markets. So let's start with job markets. Those are a hot topic right now, and we saw jobless claims hit a new pandemic low in the U.S. this week. Is job and wage growth on a continued positive trajectory, Megan? Yeah, you know how in the housing market, the realtors tell you it's a buyer's market? Well, 2021 is definitely a worker's market. We have job openings, wage growth, and unemployment all pointing in that direction. Um, For job openings, August logged as the fifth straight month of all-time highs at 10.9 million open jobs. Um, Right now, the most openings are in industries like healthcare, finance, and hospitality. And then we did have some reductions in construction and transportation with the most recent report. On the wage side, we had the Atlanta Fed wage tracker released this week, and that showed a rolling three-month average of wage growth of 3.9% and even higher results among hourly workers, service jobs, and people who've recently switched jobs. Um, On the switching side, data from July uh, showed another month of nearly 4 million workers quitting their jobs. Uh, So that's showing a lot of confidence among employees in their ability to find other opportunities. Uh, And then last on the initial unemployment claims, That fell to 310,000 last week, and that was better than estimates. This is still above the pre-COVID level that would be typical of like 220,000 per week, but it's the lowest number we've had during the COVID era. So it reinforces, again, that companies are confident uh, that they need to keep hiring. So looking forward, we've got a few things, I think, that'll really push these numbers around over the next few months. Um, First on Labor Day, it was the end of the extra federal unemployment benefits. About 70% of people lost all benefits, and then another 20% lost that extra $300 per week that they'd been getting since the beginning of the year. And then Mm -hmm. yesterday, we had the Biden administration announce a vaccine mandate. It's expected to impact about 80 million U.S. federal and private employees. So I think there's just going to be this great sorting out of U.S. workers over the next few months. We've got vaccine mandates to improve safety. Schools are largely back in session. Um, Unemployment benefits have ended. So workers are really going to need to take a look at what works for them personally to participate in the workforce. But the good news is is they have a lot of negotiating power um, and a lot of options to choose from. 11 million jobs. Let's start filling them. Exciting. Thanks, Megan. So let's go global now. What are the actions that you're seeing being taken by central banks around the world? Yeah, we had three uh, central bank meetings uh, this week. The first uh, was the Bank of Canada, and they held both their target rates and QE programs steady at current levels, so no change there. Uh, In Australia, the Reserve Bank gave a little surprise. They scaled back the magnitude of their bond buying program, but then extended the duration of the program into mid-February of next year. So that was a little bit of what people are calling a devish concession uh, on extending that. And then last, uh, probably the most watched announcement this week was the European Central Bank, the ECB. They also announced that they'll scale down the magnitude of purchases from 80 billion euros per month to the 60 to 70 billion range, depending on market conditions. But the ECB was very careful uh, to clarify that this is calibrating, not tapering, um, of their PEP program. And so overall, it appears the markets have taken that message in stride without too strong of a reaction in either the equity or bond markets. Calibrating. I like that. (laughs) Given how each region is kind of at a different stage in the recovery, are you still seeing reasons for optimism? Is the glass half full or half empty? 
I'll give you a little bit of both, maybe. Um, the highlight this week uh, was probably from China. Their export growth uh, surged in August as companies are anticipating the holiday shopping season. So exports mm-hmm. rose over 25%, imports grew over 33%. Um, both of those are, are at record levels uh, in terms of the dollar amounts. On the glass uh, less full side, I'll say, uh, in the U.S., the Federal Reserve Beige Book Survey uh, was released that did show economic activity decelerating in the U.S. over the past couple of months. Again, but albeit from high levels, um, there was a pullback in dining and travel, uh, supply chain and labor shortages that we've talked about, and then further delays in many companies' uh, return to office plans. Here in the Pacific Northwest, Microsoft told over 100,000 of their U.S. employees on Thursday that it has indefinitely delayed their return to U.S. offices until it's safer to do so. So wrapping up the week here, global equity markets appear to be putting a little bit more weight on the risk side of the ledger. Uh, Markets are down about a percent for the week. Um, But our central scenario remains that the recovery phase we're in continues to mature into 2022 with both economic and earnings growth remaining above trend. Uh, The inflationary pressures, like we saw in today's producer price index, will subside. And then while central banks are tapering their asset purchases this year, we forecast that they will remain on hold with raising rates uh, until late 2023 or early 2024. So we'll, we'll end on a half full note. I like the half full note. We'll take it. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Megan, and for sharing your insights. And thank you all for joining us. We hope you have a great weekend and see you next time. Bye, everyone.